You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Good morning. And uh, allow me to extend my warm welcome to you, particularly if you're here new among us. And uh, absolutely great to be with you. Anyone enjoying the World Cup? And anyone rooting for England to win? Anyone rooting for anyone other than England to win? Portugal. Just, yeah, just, just stand if you're rooting for somebody other than England. Go on, just, just, go on, Leanne. You, there are others. Yeah, just, just stand. I wonder if you could all leave now and just, uh, just cleanse the atmosphere. Um, no, I'm only kidding. Uh, it's all good fun, and uh, it's a bit strange, isn't it? A winter World Cup, but um, yeah, well, here we go. We'll see what happens. Well, um, I guess for most of us, Christmas is coming into view, and uh, if it hadn't done before today, well, there are some Christmas trees to help you uh, realize that we're only three weeks away from Christmas Day, and I know some of you are your great planners and you know, you're, you're like the early decor crew. You like to get your trees up in September and, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And just, you know, yours is the only house on your street that's got lights up in September. And uh, just give me a wave. Maybe not September, but if you, I won't get you to stand or ask you to leave. But um, just uh, if you're one of the early movers on Christmas, you like to make. You know, and and what, also we have some last-minute Charlies who kind of think it's just really clever to go shopping on Christmas Eve, and then the thing you wanted to get isn't available. Just give me a wave if you kind of take great virtue in that, that sort of approach to Christmas. I don't know why that would be, but there we are. Well, it is good, and you might be expecting today that I would bring a message around Advent. I do want to assure you, obviously, next Sunday we have our carol services, and then from then there will be a focus on Christmas and New Year. Um, and in many ways, it would have been good to, but what I want to do is prepare us today, prime us and ready us for something of great significance that is going to happen on the far side of all that, which is CLM's 21 days of prayer and fasting, which might seem like a really long way away. Uh, we've got it scheduled for Monday the 9th to Sunday the 29th of January. But by the time we're through New Year, if we didn't speak about this until Sunday the 8th of January, we'd like be beginning tomorrow, and many of us would be like, oh, I wish I'd known, I'd have actually thought about this and planned and prepared. So I'm priming you now to get it on your radar so that uh, we are ready. Uh, CLM, we are going to be ready. Why do you turn to your neighbor and say, we are going to be ready? If you're online, I want to say to you, you are going to be ready. And I want to speak today about the power of prayer and fasting. If you've been around CLM for a while, you will know that we put a really high value on prayer here and also really high value on prayer and fasting. In some portions of the church, prayer and fasting has somehow been a little bit lost as a spiritual discipline, but it is a deeply biblical idea and practice. And I passionately believe uh, it is uh, something that should be part of the normal Christian life and walk and experience. I also experientially have found it to be incredibly beneficial in my walk with the Lord. And so I want to speak into this day, just to, into this today, just to get it uh, on our radar so we can begin to think. And when we hit the 9th of January, hopefully you'll be ready to make the most of what I know is going to be a significant time 
In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is uh, bringing what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. In many ways, his manifesto for ministry. Jesus unpacking what he's all about, what the kingdom is all about. And in Matthew 6, as part of this, he brings forth one of the most famous elements where he says, when you pray. Can we all say, when you pray? He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And, and he goes on and gives them some instruction about prayer and, and how to approach prayer. Uh, but then he says, oh, this is how you should pray. And he gives us what we have come to know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But, but in his run, as soon as he's finished speaking a little bit about prayer, he then says, and when you fast. Can we say, and when you fast? And, and he talks about fasting. He says, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. And he gives instruction on how to approach fasting. And it is, it is my suggestion today that Jesus' expectation for us would be that we would be a people of prayer, but that we would be also be a people who learn how to fast, that this is part of our walk with the Lord, part of our discipline. Jesus himself, of course, had not long previously undertaken a 40-day period of prayer and fasting. Matthew 4.2 said, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the Bible tells us that he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. And from this foundation, he began his incredible ministry of un unsurpassed teaching and authority and signs and wonders and miracles. At his heart, prayer and fasting helps us firstly to draw near to God himself. And secondly, it positions us as dependent upon him. Prayer and fasting helps us to draw near to God himself. You know, for, for us, when we come and we pray and fast, we're coming and saying, Lord, we're coming after you. We are seeking after you. We desire you. For me, when I, when I pray and fast, I am coming after the Lord. I refuse to live a life that doesn't encounter the Lord himself. I believe when Jesus died on the cross and the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom, he made a way for me to come right into the presence of God. And through prayer and fasting, I'm coming after God saying, I must have you in my life. I refuse to have an encounterless Christian experience because Jesus died for that and that is my great joy. When we come as a church, we're we're saying, Lord, here we are. We're coming after you. We want to be a presence-filled people. We desire you. We love you. We thirst after you. My soul longs for you as a dry and weary lamb, the psalmist says. And, and it's this sort of vein when we come to pray and fast to set time apart, to seek God himself, that we might have him in our lives personally, that we might draw nearer to him. And secondly, it positions us as dependent upon him. In our own lives, where we're coming and saying, Lord, I trust you. Like we've just sang this great song. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You were provider then, you're provider now. You were healer then, you're healer now. And we come. Like Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. For us, we come as church together to say, God, we are trusting in you. You know, for us, I'm, I am so excited about 2023. There's a sense of momentum in the ministry and the mission here at CLM. I, I know the Holy Spirit is urging us on into new things, some things we're, we're going to step into in 2023. And there is more activity to go at 
than, than I can remember. And yet, in January, we're going to stop for 21 days. We're going to say, Lord, we're going to get on our knees before we do anything else. And we're going to pray and say, God, this is your house. This is your ministry. Everything we're doing is on the altar. It belongs to you. You can take anything off. You can put anything else on. It's yours. Unless the Lord builds the house. And in our own lives, it can be the same, that sense of dependency. Last year in our 21 days, we, we coined it pray first. And we come again in 2023 say we're going to pray first. Prayer not, not as a last resort, but as a first thought. We come. We're going to commit our year and our years to the Lord. And my invitation is for you to engage and to be involved at a personal level. For me personally, it's always such an exciting time where I clear my diary out. I, I refuse other things and meetings and invitations. There's things we've turned down. I say, look, I, I'm sorry, but, but I, can't do, I can't do that in that window of time because we're seeking the Lord. And I encourage you as you're able to be a part of it. In the first few months of Esther and myself coming to CLM, we introduced prayer and fasting as a rhythm four times a year. And many of you were a part of that then, either a week or three days. And then 2018, we felt the Lord speaking to us as, a, as an eldership about going deeper and reaching wider. And as we tipped into 2019, we felt part of going deeper was to move from, from a week or three days of prayer and do 21 days of prayer and fasting. <coughs> Excuse me. And it was so impactful that we did that, and we're like, we can never go back. I don't think we're ever going to start a year again under our leadership, at least, where we don't start with 21 days of seeking the Lord. It keeps us anchored. It fuels our intimacy with God. It confirms our dependency. It sharpens our prayer lives. It leads us to breakthrough. And we'll produce some booklets, as we have done over the last few years, with some tips and advice. If you're brand new to fasting or brand new to prayer, there'll be some things come up on the website before we start, where you can read up and be educated and be prepared. So many things have shifted as a church when we prayed and fasted. Some of the stories we've shared here many times. We talked about the, the, the miracle with the mortgage where we, you know, the, the bank manager was saying that we might need to, for they might need to foreclose on the loan and repossess the building and then you know, he, he went off sick for over a year with a mystery illness and no one looked at our file and we paid interest only on a development loan. It was about half of what we should have paid for 14 months. And the only thing we materially did was pray and fast. And I can't guarantee that the Lord struck him down, but I, I, I don't have any other explanation. When we, we needed the car park across the road and, you know, where, where we parked the techno center. And again, many of you were here. You know this story. We were... We were praying on, on the land. We had no provision for parking. That where we had been parking had come to an end. And, and we got a, a very firm, no, absolutely not. We're not engaging with you. You can't use our car park on a Sunday. And then the next week, we prayed and fasted for a week. And then the following week, a manager from Techno Center came over to tell us off because some of our conference clients had parked in their car park by mistake. And when she came in here, she, she was struck by the presence of God and said, what is this? Is this a church? And then she said, you know, well, what, what do you do for parking on a Sunday? And we're like, well, funny you should ask. <laughs> and the whole thing turned around, and the only thing we did was pray and fast. And I can't guarantee that's what shifted it, but I, I've got no other suggestion. 
And the truth is that the more we prayed and fasted, the more coincidences have happened in our own lives. Many things that we can't easily share publicly have shifted when we prayed and fasted. In my own life, prayer and fasting has been such an incredible key for me. I'm so grateful for it. Starting my first year of being a Christian, feeling the Lord speaking to me about doing a two-day fast. And, and forgive me if you've heard some of these stories before, but I know some are, are new among us. And I remember at that point, I'd, I'd never missed a meal in my life. I remember being terrified. I thought I was going to die to do a two-day fast. But what happened was not only the thing I was praying into shifted, but also I experienced the presence of God in a way I'd never done before. And when you shut everything else out, when you draw aside to seek the Lord, to to pray, to get into his word, to worship, something amazing happened. And and I start to learn the key of prayer and fasting, of devoting time to the Lord and entering more deeply into his presence. It changed me. Remember as a young man, used to take the first week of of my year, take annual leave and, and try and get a friend that I could go and pray and fast with. If we could, we'd go away somewhere. Remember one year, we'd got some friends in our church. They, they owned a house in Hull, a little house they were trying to sell, but it couldn't sell, and it was standing empty, and we had no money. We said, can we go and use your house? And we got there, start of January. It was freezing cold. The house had been empty for about six months. And I had my guitar, and my friend Rich had a flute, and we started to worship the Lord, and the neighbors phoned our friends who were the owners, saying, I think you've got hippies squatting in your house. <laughs> and we turned up. To pray, but you know something beautiful happened in that freezing cold little house in Hull as we sought the Lord, as we we spent five days just in the Word together, praying, seeking the Lord, worshiping. I remember getting home at the end of that week and and going to a church service, and I was so full of the joy of the Lord, I literally was just overflowing. I was laughing during the worship. Just something incredible of the the presence of God, taking me to another level. Many of my breakthroughs have come during longer times of prayer and fasting. The Lord's speaking to me. And when we've done 21 days of prayer and fasting, for me personally, it's been such a joy, such a beautiful time. Remember, I think it was the first or second 21 days we did here, 2019 or or 2020. We'd had some lunchtime prayer meetings. I remember the last one, it had been so beautiful, so rich, so precious, the sense of God. I, I remember that final lunchtime prayer meeting, just going to the corner of the room and weeping because I was like, Lord, I don't want this to end. And you'd think at the end of 21 days, I'd be like, Lord, I want to eat. I was like, no, I want to carry on because I knew the next week my diary was going to explode and I was going to be full and carrying responsibilities. Now, sometimes I've wanted to be a monk. Seriously, I'm like, Lord, this is so beautiful. But, but firstly, I'm married, which is great. Um, and, and also, I don't believe I'm called to that. But I've wrestled sometimes. I believe the Lord's assignment on my life carries responsibility. And so I seek to outwork that, and I, and, and I read the New Testament, and I look at the likes of the Apostle Paul, and, and his life poured out, and I get it. But you know, my favorite time is just alone with the Lord. And I've learned through prayer and fasting the richness of that. And I want to invite you to enter in some way, if you can, in January. I think it's important to be clear that, that the normal biblical pattern for fasting is to abstain from food for a designated period devoted to prayer. Well, for me, when I 
I fast. I, I mean by that that I don't eat food. I'm not, I, I don't, it's not soup or blended steak and chips. Some people are very creative, finding ways to, to have liquids only. It's not eating at a certain time of day, not Ramadan, but actually fasting, abstaining from food. The Bible says that Jesus prayed 40 days and 40 nights. Meaning he didn't just fast the day and then, and then have a slap-up dinner in the wilderness. I'd love you to hear me really clearly right now on three things. Number one, there is no pressure whatsoever. Can we all say no pressure? There's no pressure whatsoever on anybody to do anything particular. But I want to encourage you to think and to ask the Lord somehow that you might engage. And then what you do is between you and the Lord, that's for you. That's the first thing I want to be clear about. The second thing I want to be clear about is that for some of us, food fasting isn't easy and maybe is inadvisable. And we've been trying to be very careful about this over the last few years. For those that maybe are medically advised not to fast, those that are pregnant, maybe those that are still growing, and by that I mean upwards. Um, th those, do you know what I mean? Maybe if you have an eating disorder, maybe if you normally struggle to take on board the required calories for healthy living, there might be a better way for you to approach a time of prayer and fasting. Because the most important thing is that we seek the Lord. And so please don't be... Be wise and do what is right to you, for you. And there are different ways that we can fast, and I'll come to that in a moment. But thirdly, I do want to encourage those of us that can food fast to food fast because it's part of the biblical mandate for fasting. When, when the, the Bible puts prayer and fasting out there as a discipline, it means to not eat food. And there's something powerful when we do that, and I'll touch on that in a moment. And I'm speaking to the majority of us here who, who are not growing upwards and who don't struggle to take on the required calories for healthy living. In fact, maybe struggle to take on too many calories. Actually, food fasting can be incredibly beneficial physically and definitely spiritually. It will encourage us. You know, because some of us were like, oh, well, I'll fast cheese and you don't eat cheese anyway. <laughs> or, you know, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I won't eat my lunch until 2.30. And actually, there's something powerful. We say, you know what? I'm going to set some time aside to pray and to fast. This is the normal biblical pattern. You know, in my experience, the first three days of a full food fast are normally the toughest. Some of you never broken through that, and you think it gets tougher and tougher. I want to tell you, actually, there's a point where it becomes easier and easier. Those of you who've done it, normally for me, after about day seven, I'm not actually that bothered about eating anymore, honestly. It just, you shift into a different space. Now, obviously, some of you can't do that, and there are lots of reasons why, and that's fine. And I'm not twisting your arms. I want to encourage us not to think, oh, oh, yeah, I did that in 2019. It's not a certificate to put on your wall. It's a spiritual discipline to help us draw near to the Lord. Can someone say amen? Okay, so why should I fast? Number one, to strengthen my spirit. Darius started our meeting in 1 Thessalonians 5. And this is what 23, 24 says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. My friends, we are spirit, soul, and body. The, the world will tell us we're body, soul, and spirit. The Bible tells us we're spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit being. This is the truth. 
You are a spirit being and you have an earthly body. And we thank God for our bodies and we need our bodies. In fact, when we no longer have our bodies, we no longer have permission to remain on the earth. And so we should steward our bodies well. And even God took on flesh to bring salvation to the human race. But in essence, we are spirit. So Paul writes in 1 Timothy 4, 8, physical training is of some value, but godliness. Can we say, but godliness? But godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. My friends, we're not impressing God with our fasting. But when we deny our physical appetites and the desires of our of our souls, our soulish appetites, for the purpose of pursuing prayer and the Lord and worship and the Word, the presence of God. We allow our spirit man, if I can call it that, to get stronger and stronger. I wonder how much time we spend in a, in a, in a normal week uh, attending to our bodies, preparing food, eating food, our appearance, going down the gym. I wonder how much time we, we attend to things of the soul, even social media, the, the global average, this is the global average, and not everyone has a smartphone. The global average time spent on social media per day is two and a half hours now. Now, I know many of you exceed that abundantly. But can you imagine if we spent two and a half hours a day seeking the Lord? What would happen to our spirits? And having a time of prayer and fasting can really help us to focus, put some things aside, and to press in to seek the Lord. In my experience, the absence of food somehow heightens my spiritual sensitivity. My conscious awareness of God's presence grows within me. And my desire for the things of God start to enlarge Have you ever been in that place where you, you want to read the Word? Uh, sorry, you, but, sorry, you... You don't want to read the Word, but you want to want to read the Word. You, you, don't, you don't actually want to pray, but you want to want to pray. And something can happen when we shift in a focused time of prayer and fasting where our desires for the things of God start to move in the right direction. I remember a, the story of a missionary meeting with a, a native red Indian who said to him, I feel as though there are two great wolves battling within me. One that stands for everything that is selfish and evil, and one that stands for everything that is noble and good. And the missionary said, which one wins? And the Red Indian said, the truth is, the one that I feed the most. And that can be true in us. It strengthens our spirit when we pray and fast. Secondly, to renew my resolve. This week we saw the 2021 census saying that Britain is no longer identifying as a majority Christian nation for the first time since the Dark Ages. I don't know about you, that, that provoked a whole host of reactions in me. But you know, I, I'm not actually sure the number of devoted followers in Jesus is changing or going down. I think the number of nominal believers who maybe were christened as a baby and somehow were told, you know, your C of E, or and we know we, we, we love the Church of England, but, but people that would say, oh, I'm, I'm C of E. And actually don't know the Lord Jesus, aren't trying to outwork their faith. I think that's what's changing. But I want to suggest that the real believers will pray and fast. It's part of, it's part of what happened in the Bible. So Jesus prays and fast. He says, when you fast. Matthew 9, he's asked why his disciples don't fast like John the Baptist's disciples. And, and this was his answer. The time will come when the bridegroom, speaking of himself, will be taken from them. 
and then they will fast. And then that's what we see. We, we move over from the Gospels into the book of Acts. Uh, and the disciples were a, a, a people that were praying and fasting. In Acts 13, 2, it says, While they were worshiping and fasting, the Lord said to them, Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. And it says, And then after praying and fasting, so they're just worshiping and fasting. It's incidental. It's during a time of prayer and fasting where they're worshiping the Lord, the Lord speaks. And in my experience, when we pray and fast, often the Lord speaks. And then they had another time of prayer and fasting before laying hands on them to send them out. The next chapter, Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas traveling around the churches. When we brought Pam Billy into eldership last week, we referenced it. It said they, they went around appointing elders in every church with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul speaks about his hardships, and he says he has been in fastings often. Now, I, I, I get excited about these times for me personally, to have these times in my life, in my diary, in my year, renews my resolve to be a prayerful person, to deny the flesh, to pursue God, to live out my life like a real believer. Does anyone want to be a real believer? Come on, church. Let's be a church of real believers. And within that, we're going to have times where we pray and fast and set apart our lives to seek the Lord. It renews my resolve to have a fire in my life. I don't know if any of you um, access your music through Spotify. I, I access my music through Spotify. And if you're, if you're a Spotify listener, you'll know that around this time of the year, they, they give you your playlist from the year. And tell you, like, they tell, this is what you listen to most in 2022. And I got my, my list through this week. And I was surprised at my, my top song of the year. It wasn't Harry Styles. It was... Um, it was Will Regan, help me find my own flame. And I was surprised, but I remember I listened to this so much. And the reason is, I think that it just expresses my heart so perfectly. This is the song that I've been listening to more than any this year. I don't want to ride on somebody else's passion. I don't want to find that I'm just dry bones. I want to burn with unquenchable fire. Deep down inside, see it coming alive. Help me find my own flame. Help me find my own fire. I want the real thing. I want your burning desire. God, do what only you can do in my heart tonight. There's no better time. That's what I've been listening to. God, I don't want to ride on someone else's passion. I want to find my own flame. And when we come and pray and fast, we're saying, God, let there be a fire in my heart. Don't rely on me or Esther or Mark or Sarah or Darius to, to provide fire for you to get fueled off. We've got to find our own flame, right? And it helps me renew my resolve to seek God. Thirdly, to deepen my connection. Fasting with prayer draws us close to the Lord. In Matthew 17, a man whose son is uh, demonically afflicted comes to Jesus and asks for mercy. That he's gone to the disciples, but they're unable to cure him. And Jesus answers that saying, O faithless and perverse generation. This is New King James. How long shall I be with you? How long will I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And the disciples, they, they asked him, why couldn't we do it? And he spoke to them. He said, because of your lack of, of faith, your unbelief. And then he says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, some manuscripts just say prayer. I understand this is slightly uh, contentious verse. But the thing that I find interesting here, and I think it stands anyway, is Jesus comes and said, you faithless and you perverse. 
And he says, what you need is, is prayer and fasting. You see, the issues are, are sometimes we can be faithless. We can be unbelieving. We need more faith. And prayer helps us raise our faith. When we're in the presence of God, we get his perspective, right? When we draw near to him, our circumstances might not change, but how we see them changes. When we get into his word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, by the word. And so our prayer helps us to raise our faith. You faithless, you need to pray. And you perverse, which really means contrary to the things of God in this circumstance. You perverse, you who are contrary, it probably means where we need prayer in order that we be better connected to the Lord. We also need fasting that will be less connected to the world. Does that make sense? You faithless and you perverse. What you need is prayer for more faith and, and fasting that you'd be less Contrary to the things of God, less connected to the world. In my experience, these have been such beautiful times. I don't want to pretend that every moment is a breeze when you're extended on a, on a long fast. But my closeness to the Lord in these times have been so stunning. I've, I've not wanted them to end. So really briefly, why don't the band come and join me? How should I approach fast or, or how should I fast? How should I approach prayer and fasting? We'll put some more resources in the booklets. I want to give you six tips really super fast. Number one, make room. This is why I'm talking about it today. So you look at your diaries, you look at January, you think, what are you doing? I know many people here, they take some days of annual leave or just set some time apart. Or if, if your diary's full up to Christmas, but you might look in January and go, actually, I've not booked that much in. Well, don't. Keep it clear. Set time aside to seek the Lord. You can do it now. That's why we're talking about it now. Make room for God. Make room for prayer. Let me say, and I've said this here before, fasting without prayer is starvation and it's miserable. But fasting with prayer is great gain. So make some room, make some space. Secondly, plan well. In my experience, fasting is 90% in the mind and 10% in the stomach. Actually, if you plan really well, it will help you. Plan, plan all elements of your fast. If you've got a seat or a space, where are you going to go and be with God? It might just be a, a chair in, in your home. Because that's going to be my prayer chair for 21 days. Is there a worship playlist you can put together over Christmas? It's going to help you connect with the things of God. Are there spiritual books that, that you can read alongside the Bible to help you press in during that time? Make a plan. Plan well. We say here often, it's not what you fast from that really matters. I've talked about food today, but it's what you fast to. It's not what you eliminate that really matters or that can help us. It's actually what we fast to. It's what we press into. It's our time with the Lord. It's our prayer. Thirdly, decide the type of fast that you're going to undertake. A full fast, which would typically be water only. A, a juice fast which is like a full fast, but maybe with fruit juice at mealtimes. A Daniel fast, which might be eliminating certain types of foods like meats and sweets. A partial fast, maybe eating at only certain times of the day or eliminating a meal. Or what we might call a soul fast, which I think is good for all of us actually. Eliminating or restricting certain things like TV or YouTube or social media, TikTok, whatever your thing is. And as some of us, we can... We can just run away. Who knows, like, time can run away with you on some of this stuff. I'm just going to check that. 90 minutes later, oh, I'm still here. Hello? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Don't pretend that you don't know what I'm talking about. 
and actually that we're going to be disciplined and put some, put some boundaries around our, our soul and the things that we, we're going to fast from some things. I know it's radical. Put your phone in the drawer. Put it away. Fourthly, journey with God. I know it sounds really crazy, but it's easy to fall into the trap of thinking you're doing this for him. I want to tell you, you need to do this with him. Do the Walk it with him. If you're fasting from food and it's tough and you're struggling, talk to him. Tell him. He knows. He's done it. He's walked it in flesh. Walk it out with him. Journey with God. The good and the bad. Fifthly, journey with others. Jesus talks about not showboating your fasting, but also the examples of fasting in the New Testament. They fasted together. They prayed together. They met together. We'll have times of corporate prayer here. Connect with people in your life group. Maybe set up a prayer triplet or something for that 21 days where you can encourage one another, spur one another on, hold one another to account, help one another to keep going. Journey with others. And finally, expect change. You know, we won't twist God's arm when we pray and fast. But the truth is, in the Bible, when people prayed and fasted, things changed. In Ezra, in Esther, in Judges, in, in Chronicles, the story of Jehoshaphat, he called the whole of Judah to a fast. And they called out saying, oh God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God turned things around. Things change when we fast. Things change in us number one, but also things change that we're praying for. We won't impress God with our fasting, but somehow He responds to those who earnestly seek Him. Expect transformation. I know for some it will be the gateway for breakthrough. For some it will be a springboard into the next level in God. For some of you seek Him at the start of your year. Some of the other things that you could have spent your focus on working towards will come into line anyway. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Friends, I know this is a put this on your radar prep kind of a message. Maybe not an immediate response, but I wonder, can we stand and pray before the band lead us in a final prayer? I wonder if you just open your heart with me. Maybe open your hands if you're, if you're willing and able Let's bring ourselves before the Lord. Lord, would you help us be a church of real believers? Would you help us be a, a people who are running after you? Would you help us in our discipleship? Pray, God, that you would speak to every one of us before we enter into that special time. Not that we, not that we park seeking you until the 9th of January, but we might prepare for a set-apart time to seek you in a special way, to go hard after you, to encounter you in new ways. And I pray, God, it would be a catalytic season for many people in this church, a season of encountering you in a new way, a breakthrough, of transformation. I pray, Holy Spirit, do something in us as a church at the start of 2023. Lord, we thank you for everything you've done in us and through us and for us. But we pray, God, take us deeper as we enter into next year. As we set apart this time at the start of our year, I pray, God, would we experience you in fresh ways and see your kingdom come in us and through us for your glory in ways we've never seen before. In Jesus' name.
Amen. 